Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We're in week number three of a series called Detox, called Detox, and here's our working definition of that. It's the removal of unhealthy, toxic substances and impurities for a period of time in order to improve health. And the truth is, after what we've been through the last six months, man, we all need that right now. Like, we need that. We need, we need to have that removal because we may have had some unhealthy, toxic substances get inside of our lives. And so we need to take some time as a church to get the wrong things out and the right things in. And so our theme verse has been 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 from the message paraphrase that says, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, those unhealthy, toxic substances. Let's detox from those, both within and without, and let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. So two weeks ago, we talked about what it would look like to go through a mental detox. And then last week, we talked about going through an emotional detox. And I know I just took six days off of social media, so I hope your life was great. Mine was awesome getting off that for about six days. And so we talked about what it looked like to have an emotional detox. But this week, I was actually supposed to talk about a physical detox. That was on the plans. We, we, we planned our sermon series out well in advance, and we had planned that this would be a week where we would talk about a physical detox, where we would confront the quarantine 15, and that we would talk about that. And, um, but as I started to prepare uh, for, for this week, I really felt like God called an audible I really felt like God put something on my heart specifically for today. Jehovah Sneaky had a different idea than what we had planned on doing. Uh, that's my best theological term I got today. And so today, we're going to talk about what it would look like for us after the last six months to go through what I believe is so important, a relational detox, a relational detox. So write that down, that's what we're gonna talk about today, and let's pray and invite God to do whatever he wants to do over the next few minutes. God, help us with this one, and help the Bengals. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, how many of you know that, um, how many of you know that living through a global pandemic has caused some awkward relational interactions? How many know, like, we've had some pretty awkward relational uh, nothing more than greeting each other. Greeting each other has gone to a whole new level of awkward. Never before 2020 has anybody ever come up to me and greeted by saying this, are you touching? Are you touching? Come on, how many of you experienced that? Like somebody come up to you? Maybe we should have been asking that years ago. Um, come on, the introverts, can we get a good amen? Like, don't touch me, don't touch me. Um, <laughs> I know, I've gone in for a hug and gotten the, gotten the, the stiff arm fist bump. Uh, I, I've, I've actually gone to fist bump somebody and accidentally fist bump somebody's elbow. I mean, like, I mean, we've had some awkward, awkward, awkward social interactions. And um, even though we've had some really awkward, like, relational social interactions, 
How many of you know that the truth is is that our relationships are still a big deal? In fact, in God's word, cover to cover, over and over again, you will see this consistent principle that I wanna build this entire message off of is this thought, this big idea that your relationships will determine the quality and direction of your life. We can see this cover to cover, and I don't have time to go into a ton of these examples, but I promise you, your relationships will determine the quality and the direction of your life. Like, show me your five closest relationships, and I will show you your next five years. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, here's one verse that I really wanna unpack with you today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says this, It says, do not be yoked. What does that mean? We'll talk about it. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, here's what you need to understand. This was written by the Apostle Paul. This was the same guy who wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. So a massive chunk of your Bible This guy wrote it. And this is the same guy that started after Jesus died and went to the cross and then went to the tomb and then raised three days later. This was the same guy that started so many churches in the early church that reached so many people. And really this guy helped put Christianity on the map. And this is the same guy who wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verse 22, where he says, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. So, when we see this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, when we see this, it may confuse you. And you may be like, man, I feel like that there's separate messages. But in this verse, he's not saying to be exclusive. In this verse, he's not saying don't hang out or have relationships with people who don't know Jesus because the truth is that doesn't fit the full narrative of the Bible cover to cover. It doesn't even fit within his writings cover to cover. So he's not saying that we need to live in a safe, comfortable, Christian church bubble and stay away from the evil world. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't be yoked up. The problem is, in 2020, we don't know what that means because we're not farmers in the 20th, in the first century. Because a yoke is a farming tool. I have this picture that I, I drew. Um, I didn't draw that. I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Some of you are like, really? He's so good. Um, so a yoke is a farming tool. It's this wooden device that goes over the shoulders of two oxen. So that, that's what that is. They have what's on there, a yoke. And so it's this, it's this wooden device that's used in farming that goes over the shoulders of two oxen to help them plow in a straight line together. That was the point. The point was so that they would plow in a straight line together, but every good farmer back in the day would know that you would never put two different size oxen in the same yoke. You would never put a big one with a small one, a strong one with a weak one. Because if you did, they wouldn't plow in a straight line. 
If they did that, what they would end up doing is that they would start plowing in zigzags. Or if it was extremely lopsided, they would just sit there and go in circles. So when he says, don't be yoked up, he's talking about those relationships closest to us. The people that we have literally been hooked up to, that we're doing like, it's our inner circle. And so think about this. And maybe even when you hear that description, you are even seeing this in your mind of how this could affect your life. Because think about this. Some of you have big goals. You have big dreams. You have big desires. You have things in your life that like, man, before, man, I got to accomplish this dream that God may be putting to my heart. And it seems so far away. And when you think about what God has called you to or the dreams that are in your heart, maybe dreams that you have financially or maybe dreams that you have with the business or whatever the case is, and you have these dreams that are in your heart, it just feels like it's taking so long to happen. And maybe it feels like you're just moving forward so slow and it feels like you're just inching forward and forward. And maybe that's happening because you're yoked up with people that you don't need to be yoked up with. And so instead of going the shorter straight line route, because of the people that you're yoked up with, the people, your inner circle, instead of like the straight short line route, you're going the zigzag route. And it's taking longer. Or even worse, that your inner circle is causing you to go in circles. And you're experiencing the same cycles and the same setbacks, and the same problems, and the same drama, and the same issues. Maybe you're living the same year over, and over, and over, and over again. Your relationships are so important, because your relationships will determine the quality and the direction of your life. And so today, um, while I was preparing this week, I felt like God Um, say that after everything that we've been through the last six months, this living through this global pandemic, that we may have actually let some relational toxins in. And so before we look external, I think it's really important that we look internal. And so here's three things that God gave me that we might need to detox from today, relationally. Here's number one, is isolating that we may need to detox from isolating. And I don't know if there's ever been an easier time in our lives to be isolated than right now because we live in a world that is screaming to stay socially distant, which I believe the enemy has has twisted and distorted and warped into a lie that says that we need to be relationally distant. But the truth is, it's never been more important for us to stay relationally connected because we have a very real enemy people. He's known as the devil. And so you can actually read his job description in John 10.10. And there it says that his whole agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy every single thing in your life. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, listen to, what he sa- listen to what the writer says. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a, not a quiet lion, but a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Now, if you study how lions attack, if you just go and watch a show on the animal planet on lions and how they do that, they will always wait until one gets isolated from the group. And so understand this today, church, is that the enemy picks off isolated people first. The enemy, he will always pick off isolated people first. He only has one move, and he's been doing that move since page three of my Bible, all the way back in Genesis chapter three. Just get people alone, and once I get them alone, I got them. Because the devil knows that if he can isolate you, he can destroy you. And so that's why at our church, we have this conviction. You'll hear it all the time. You'll hear us say it. We'll, we'll pepper it in conversation. You'll see it. And it's this right here is that we refuse to live life alone. We refuse to live life alone. We have this conviction that we're not going to do it. We refuse to live life alone. But maybe you're here at church today. Or maybe you're watching online. Or maybe you're in one of our overflows, and right now you feel isolated. You feel lonely. Maybe right now you're in a room full of people, and you feel like even though I'm in a room full of people, I feel completely by myself. And I feel isolated, I feel alone. And I want you to hear this promise from God in Psalm 68, verse six. This is a promise from God's word that God places the lonely, the isolated in families. That's what God does. God places the lonely in families. So look me in the eyes. You can find family here. You can. You belong. Before you behave a certain way, you belong. Before you even believe a certain way, you belong here. And I just want you to know, that whoever you are, whatever your background is, whatever you belong, you can find family here. But we may be at church today and we need to detox from isolating. Here's number two, is we may need to detox from hiding, from hiding. Let me explain this, uh, because maybe you're not isolated. Maybe you're constantly around or connected to people Maybe even you're in small groups and you're spending time with people every day, but you're hiding. You're closed off. You're always keeping people at an arm's length. You're always keeping secrets. And people only know this projected version of you, not the real you. People only know this, this version of you that you're trying to let everybody know that's polished in this PR version of you, but not the authentic, real you. And nobody knows what's really going on under the surface, like what you're really thinking or feeling or struggling with or addicted to or wrestling with. And so you've become an expert at going 90% with people, but you hold back that last 10%. That 10% that's really hard to share sometimes. And it's almost like your soul, who you are, it's like you're wearing a mask. Now, we've all gotten very accustomed to this right now. I'm looking in a room full of people that have embraced this right now, and we're all wearing this. And so for a few months, we've been wearing these masks. And uh, here in Cincinnati, we have a citywide uh, like citywide mandate. And then our, our state here in Ohio has a, has a, a statewide mandate, and so... And we're even wearing these masks right now in church. And how many of you know that there's been times 
uh, as good-hearted people as we are, that there may have been times where it's like, I am over this. I'm over, like, like, I couldn't hear. Like, what'd you say? Uh, but, you, know, you feel like you're screaming all day. And, uh, you know, there may be times where you felt like, I am so over this. And listen, some of you have a problem with wearing these masks physically, but the truth is you've been wearing a mask relationally for a long time. And so we've got to be a place and we've got to be people. And God designed us in a way to not wear masks. We've gotta take the mask off, stop hiding, and let people in. I wanna be a church full of people who says like 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse two, that says, we refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. So maybe today we need to detox from hiding, from hiding. And then the last one, number three, is we might need to detox from having a victim mentality. We might. I'm not saying you have to, but we might, after the last six months, need to detox from having a victim mentality. Because maybe over the last six months, you've been relationally hurt or offended. Maybe you thought people would reach out more than they did, that they would call more, text more, check on you more. Maybe there was unmet expectations, that I had this expectation that this would happen, but then it, it didn't. And by the way, I'm not trying to excuse what happened or say that it wasn't real. I'm not saying that like what happened didn't really hurt. I'm not saying that what happened didn't affect you. What I'm, I'm not even saying that what happened, what did or what did not happen was even right. But what I am challenging you to do is to refuse to have a victim mentality. Romans chapter eight, verse 37 says, no, despite all these things, no matter what's happened, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I'm gonna see a victory, just like we sang a few minutes ago. So if you are in Christ, understand, church, that you are not a victim, you are a victor. So you may be thinking, like, no, like, listen, I didn't reach out because if they cared, they would ask. And I love you enough to tell you the truth, is that that's not how God designed us. I can prove it. Moms, any moms in the house? Any moms, okay? This is, this is to my moms, I need you to help me, I need you to relate to this, okay? Uh, moms, parents, dads, okay? How many of you moms, that when you had a baby, had an infant baby, that you would intentionally wake yourself up and then go into the room where your baby was sleeping. Like, they weren't awake yet, but you intentionally woke up just to go into that room where they were, and then you would wake him or her up, that little baby, and say, hey, I was just thinking about you. How you doing? <laughs> Parents that, that ever, you know, hey, I, I, I just want to go check on you. Just be proactive. Just gonna do that. Absolutely not. Those minutes of sleep when you have an infant are like gold. 
You would never, they actually, there's, there's books that talk about how you can get your kids sleep through the night as fast as possible. So what do you do? You wait for your baby to cry. You put them down and you pray that they sleep. And you put them down, you wait for your baby to cry. And when they cry, that's when you get up and meet their needs. Listen, church is built into all of us to reach out from day one. God made us that way. So let us be people who live out these wise words of Jesus in, in Matthew chapter seven, verse 12, that says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. So if you would like somebody to reach out to you, you reach out to them. That if, that if you want somebody to call, no, I'm gonna call. If I want somebody to text, that's a trigger for me to text somebody. If I want somebody to check on me, no, I'm gonna go check on others. And I love the message paraphrase of this verse. It says, here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. So when we think about relationally detox, we might need to detox from isolating, hiding, and having a victim mentality. So how can we practically walk this out the next six days? What can we do to go on a practical relational detox? Now, I'm going to turn the page a little bit and not just think so much inward, but think about outward. Okay. I want to encourage you sometime this week to really take inventory of your close relationships to answer the question, who are you yoked up with? Who's in your inner circle? And if you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, the person who wrote that text in 2 Corinthians chapter six, if you look at his life, you will see that his inner circle was made up of three kinds of relationships. People above him, people beside him, and people below him. And so I encourage you to take time over the next six days and just answer these six questions. Um, not six questions, three questions, okay? <laughs> We'd be like, okay, this sermon's gonna be like an hour, okay? <laughs> no, so let, let, let me give you three questions that you need to answer this week. This will be our practical, this is the next six days, challenge, homework, do this, okay? Next six days, ask yourself these, these three questions. Here's number one, who do I have above me? Who do I have above me? In my close relationship, who do I have above me? Whose authority in my life? Whose mentors? For Paul, it was a guy named Barnabas, and this is who, who reached out uh, whenever Paul first gave his life to Jesus, and he built a relationship with him, and he mentored him. So do you have somebody like that in your life? Someone who's further down the road than you? Here's a great question. Who's someone in your life that, that is where you eventually wanna be? And here's something very practical and something that I try to implement in my life and every person that I lead, I try to get them to answer this question. Like find five people who do what you do better than you. Just do that. Whatever it is, find five people who do what you do better than you and then build relationships with those people. And this does apply spiritually, but it applies to so much more than that. It can even apply to you professionally. So if you're an entrepreneur, find five entrepreneurs that are down the road than you. If you're a business owner, if you're an employee somewhere, find somebody that can help you that way. But it also applies relationally. 
That if, if you're a husband in here, man, you need to find five husbands that you think, man, that's a better husband than me. I wanna learn from them. They're down the road than I am. Or you can do it with, with when it comes to you know, being a dad or being a mom. Uh, you can do that being a grandparent. Come on, it doesn't matter your age. You can find people. We can always grow. We can always get better. And so I wanna challenge specifically if you're in this room or you're watching right now and you're 30 years and younger. There are people in this room that are connected at our church that have so much valuable wisdom and experience and leadership and maturity that you need. I'm telling you, your life would be better with them in your life. And I just wanna challenge you, if you're under the age of 30, don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them. Go to them, okay? So who do I have above me? Here's second, who do I have beside me? Who do I have beside me? Those are my peers, those are my friends. And for Paul, it was a guy named Silas. And these guys, these two guys, they did life and ministry together as peers, it was his friend. So who are your friends? Who are your peers? Who's your inner circle? Who are you living life with on a day-to-day basis? People that are in the same stage of life, who understand, who are there for you in the good, the bad, the ugly, and literally everything in between. People you can laugh with and people you can cry with. People that you can go the full distance with, not 90%, but 100%. The people that you can go the distance with and be fully honest with. And if you don't have those type of people, man, I truly believe they're in this church. I truly believe, but let me just encourage you, the best way to meet those people in our church is not just by saying hi for 10 seconds every single Sunday. The best way to build those type of relationships are to get in a group. It is the best way to build those type of relationships. So if you're not in one, I cannot encourage you enough, get in a group. You can find all of them on our website at queencitypeople.com slash smallgroups. Find one and meet some people. That's how you can get to know some people there. Okay, so who do I have above me? Who do I have beside me? And number three, who do I have below me? Who do I have below me? And for Paul, it was a guy named Timothy. And this was somebody that was younger than him, that he believed in, that he took the time to intentionally invest his life into him. So my question is, who are you investing into? Who are you pouring into? And let me flip the script. And if you are 30 years and older in this room or watching online, look around. The harvest is plentiful. Hear this, God has a purpose for you here. I believe it with all my heart, is that God has a massive purpose for you here. There are people right now that are in this room that are in their 20s or below that desperately need spiritual big brothers and big sisters, that desperately need spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to invest into them, to pour into them to tell them I believe in you and call out greatness on the inside of them. Listen, they need what you got. So don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. So over the next six days, I wanna challenge you to answer those three questions. And when you have your answers, when you have the answers of like, that's who I'm yoked up with right now. This is my inner circle. 
and there may be some gaps. And when that happens, here's what you have to understand. Go back to the very beginning, that your relationships will determine the quality and the direction of your life. So if you aren't digging the quality and the direction of your life, look for some other people in that inner circle, okay? Let me end with this. Our relationships are so important because it goes all the way back to the beginning. Our relationships are so important to God that it goes all the way back to the beginning where in Genesis chapter one, God creates the heavens and the earth. And he creates everything, and after he creates everything, he says, this is good. He says, this is awesome, this is good. And then the Bible says that God created Adam, the first man, in his image. And he had a perfect relationship with God. So he creates Adam, has this amazing, perfect relationship with God, but yet, God still said in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, after everything else was good, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. By the way, this was the first problem in the Bible. So the first problem in the Bible was not sin, it was loneliness. But think about this, he wasn't alone. God was there with him. He had a perfect relationship with God. He was made in his image. But some of us maybe have picked up a theology where we say, all I need is God. And God says, no, you don't. You need people. Because God hardwired us for relationships. He's made it, like he, he, made, he, he made us to be connected to other people. But then, scripture says that sin entered the picture. In Romans chapter six, it says that the wages, the penalty, the price of sin is death, but one of the other big consequences of our sin is that it separates. It breaks our relationship with God and each other. But here's the great news, is that even though our sin, it separates us from God and each other, God loves you so much that he had to do something about it. And so he sent his son Jesus, not only to save you, to pay for your sins, so that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. Not only did he do that, but he did it to restore your relationship with God and to each other. And so right before Jesus went to the cross to actually do all that, to pay for your sins and to restore your relationship with God and each other, listen to what he says in John 15, 13. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So make no mistake about it, church. The cross is history's greatest act of friendship that not only is it a symbol, not only is it a symbol that we wear on necklaces and we get tattooed on our bodies, not only is it a symbol, but it is a statement that says that your relationship with God vertically has been restored and that your relationship with each other horizontally has been restored. The cross is history's greatest act of friendship. Come on, is anybody thankful for Jesus today and thankful for what Jesus did?
Come on, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And just ask God right now, just in this moment, just say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me? Maybe ask him, what does my response need to be to this message? I think there's a lot of practical things that we could think about after the last few minutes together. And maybe you need to take inventory of your relationships. Or maybe you need to make some changes. Maybe you need to get the right people in. Maybe get some people out. Maybe you need to join a small group. Maybe today you need the courage to stop isolating or to stop hiding or to stop having a victim mentality. But maybe you're here and you don't have the most important relationship and that's a relationship with God. Maybe you've never given him your life. You've never said yes to Jesus, accepted grace, or maybe you have before, but right now you are so far from God and you don't feel close to him at all. You don't have a relationship with him, but today you need a fresh start. And we wanna give you that opportunity right now to start or to restart a relationship with God. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward or embarrass you in any way. But today, if you're here and you wanna make that decision to say, I need a relationship with Jesus for the first time or maybe all over again, that if you're here and that's you, I just wanna pray a simple prayer with you. And if you wanna be included in that prayer on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to boldly put your hand in the air just as a sign to say, God, this is the decision that I'm making. I'm taking a step today. And if that's you on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three, that's me. That's the decision that I need to make. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's great. If you're watching online, a box just popped up and you said, right now, that's the decision I need to make. I need to have a relationship with God. That's great. If you would just pray this in your heart, just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me and change me? You make me brand new. God, I surrender everything to you. I give you my whole life, everything. And today, I choose to follow you. Thank you so much for Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, church, can we clap our hands? Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com. 